hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. Yeah, a terrible defeat at the hands of Leicester City on Monday night as Left Reds reeling. And here to try and pick up the pieces and make sense of it all with me, I've got two fantastic guests. So joining me, uh, I think both from Belfast tonight. First up, we've got John Henderson. How are you doing, John? I'm good. I'm good, Neil. Just good on, on other matters in life, but not that <laughs> fucking match. But uh, <laughs> I'm doing good. Not in the football sense, but everything else is all right. Nice one. Glad to hear life life is good in general. And alongside him, it's uh, slightly merry and happy to be off tomorrow. David Dunning, how are you doing, Dave? Yes, I'm merry, but I'm still fucking furious. How are you? <laughs> yeah, much the same, much the same. It, uh, it was a devastating devastating defeat if I'm honest I don't I don't even think that's putting it too putting too much on it like to be fair uh, how, how are you holding up today what was it like getting up this morning oh, uh, the first the, the first thing I thought was the first thing that came to my mind when I woke up was we got fucking hammered last night yeah. and that made me angry all over again and then I went into work angry and then I had Manchester United fans making me snide remarks like ha clap out and things and I was walking past and I said you just wee dickhead <laughs> so, I've had. So it's had been one of those days. Eh? It's been one. It's been one. It's been one of those days. Look forward to tomorrow. Absolutely too well. Yeah, roll on Saturday, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can put it right. So, so obviously we're we're going to focus a, a bit on the the Leicester game and sort of where that result has left us. We'll also maybe chat about perhaps what what needs to be done to remedy the situation, and maybe have a brief look ahead to Arsenal because. Hopefully that'll offer some solace. Um, so anyway, where to begin then? A pretty awful display. Uh, we were talking beforehand there about, I think we all mentioned that you could tell after, after 10 minutes, uh, we weren't going to win the game. So Johnny, I'll start with you. What went wrong? Uh, yeah, in a nutshell, where are you on this, on this game and what the fuck went wrong with it? <laughs> where do you start really? I think it was a, it's, it's probably an indictment of Liverpool over the last two months that you can almost tell early on what, what kind of performance we're going to get. You know, you've seen the last time out against Spurs, we were just absolutely on it, basically from the, from the first whistle. And it just felt the complete opposite. And I know we, we, we had a bit of a chat around that lack. It's just a bit of a lack of fucking needle. And a lack of urgency in that team right now. We're, we're a pushover, you know. Hull, Hull bullied us. We've been beaten at home by Swansea. We've been beaten at home by by Wolves in the cup. And there's just this, you know, from from the early seconds of that game when Vardy just clattered into Mane, Klopp was going was going mad, but there was no reaction from the players. And I know Henderson for whatever his, his faults might be, you know, he, he would have that aggression. So. I think from the very start, we, we weren't on, we weren't aggressive, we weren't focused. They were pumped up. They've obviously taken loads of criticism. They were flying into tackles. You've seen the way Schmeichel even was celebrating their, their, their first goal. They were so up for it. We just didn't match them. So that's one thing. So the application wasn't there. The desire wasn't there. And then you've got to say as well, on you've got to put it on clap as well, that, you know, tactically, all over the show. You know, one one of the reasons probably that Leicester have, have struggled this season, they were never going to replicate last season, obviously, but teams had figured them out and teams, you know, weren't leaving 
big, big spaces for Mares to thread those those passes through to the Vardy. And yeah, there we were, you know, caught we we Lucas, you know, out of position. But literally giving Vardy forty, fifty yards of space, you know, to the to run through on. Just absolutely criminal. So the tactics were wrong and just ultimately there was too many players below par as well. You know, far too many of them. You, you know, you would struggle. I thought Coutinho looked like he was trying at least, but there were so many passengers, um, so many players off the ball, so many players lacking confidence, lack of conviction, offensively all over the place. Just a really, really sobering performance. And made worse by the fact that there's no real excuses. But we've got Manny back. We have that front three that we're flying at the start of the season. We have Lallana back in midfield. They've, they've been away in a nice warm weather training camp. They've had their big, big break from football. Worrying, but it, but it was, it was shite. <laughs> in a word, it was just shite. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, I think you you pretty much touched on, on everything there and you're spot on with it all. And what you're absolutely uh, spot on with is it, no excuses. You know, we were, and I think that's why this is, for me, this is the most disappointing result of the season so far without a, a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I was, I completely bought in to the idea of this couple of weeks off, go away, get your head shard, get training, um, work on a few things, pull the squad together, all, all that kind of thing. Pretty convinced that even with the the news breaking about Ranieri and and what had gone on and, and all the hype surrounding the game and the fact that obviously Leicester players were going to be out to prove a point given the the rumours which seem pretty concrete given that that's the only uh, the only kind of explanation that's that's been forthcoming on Ranieri and it's been pretty pretty noisy so they would have had a, a point to prove given their perceived kind of disloyalty and, and stabbing their manager in the back and all that kind of thing but even allowing for that I was pretty convinced that if we turn up and play at 80% 90% of our best we're going to win that game and we turned up and we were a fucking absolute shadow of the team we could be I mean I think that's that's up there with the worst I've seen us play certainly this season I thought this was really going to be the kicker for the second half of the season and we would go out and win and win in style, and and go on from there. And I think that's why it's it's been pretty pretty crushing, to be honest. Normally you can take a defeat and roll with it, and, and look for look for the next game and look for the positives. But yeah, this kind of seems pretty seminal. Am I making too much of this, Dave? And and where are you on the game and 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 the importance of it, and so on and so forth? <sighs> what a bunch of wankers, eh? What a bunch of wankers who make us believe that amazing things can happen and then show up and you're right absolutely fuck and that's the thing that that irritated me all of the good things that we've done up with with basically that that 11 um just were entirely absent from that performance to call it limp is an understatement yeah we lost the game in the first 10 minutes you can see it coming we show no desire to get in the referee's face we let them get away with stupid things like Standing in front of the, exactly standing in front of the ball and, and not allowing a stick free kick. And you just, you know, you just kick the ball against the player and it gets booked and he doesn't do it again. But we let him do it two or three times, giving away stupid throw ins, throw ins that were dangerous. And I, I'm fucking speechless. I just, I just, I just, I, I just don't 
really know where to go. Players taking too many touches when and trying to force it, trying to beat the extra man when there's absolutely no need. Um, and the the most disappointing thing for me is when we did get the goal back. Fuck, with the injury time, I think it was more than half an hour left. We just continued along the same vein, and the one bit of quality that got us there again was was absent for the, for the remainder of the match. So I just don't know. Corner kicks. Our corner kicks continue oh, to be dreadful. Desperate. Absolutely dreadful. And do you know what? See if we get a corner. Actually, probably be better off giving the giving the other team a bye ball because we're more likely to get scored against than than score from a corner based on that performance. Don't I just don't know where to go. And you can make your excuses about Leicester being up for it and 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 all that type of thing. But that's that's no excuse for us. Man for man, we're better than them. Man for man, we're a better team than them. I just don't know. There's not really any player that comes out with any credit at all, except and this is an indictment in itself. Probably Mignolet, who made some decent saves because he was dreadfully exposed. And not a fault for any of the goals. I, I'm just, I'm just still absolutely livid by the whole scenario. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was absolutely soul destroying to watch. And yeah, you're spot on with it, with a lot of those things. I mean, it was a, just a kind of a, a lot of everything, wasn't it? I mean, there were, you can't really pick uh, one player from the front six that had a particularly good game. I mean, Firmino. Or even had a decent game, to be honest. I mean, Firmino worked his, his hole off, but was poor on the ball. You're right, too many touches. Too many players consistently taking the wrong option. And kind of like, you could see it happening from early on. And, you know, you're, you're immediately going, you know, why are you doing that? And it wasn't just one player. It was collective and individual. So indiv- individually, everyone's making mistakes. And that led to the collective being an absolute... An absolute disaster, in all honesty. I mean, what you mentioned, Johnny, you mentioned it about uh, Vardy's tackle, and Dave, you mentioned about not just kicking the ball at uh, who was it that kept standing away, Okazaki. Like, I mean, how many times has Coutinho been booked for that since he's been a Liverpool player? I mean, it must be four or five. He's been booked at least just for standing in front of the ball, uh, blocking the free kick, and uh, one of the opposition players has kicked the ball at him. He's been booked. He nearly got sent off in a game four to remember because he did it twice and he escaped the second booking. Why are we not taking advantage of that? Because that's exactly what Okazaki's doing. If you kick it at him once and he gets booked, he's not going to do it again. You know, why are we not all over the referee after 30 seconds when Vardy completely smashes Mane? Why is, why are we not getting a free kick there? Never mind a yellow card. I mean, I thought refereeing was a, was a bit funny anyway. Um, but then referees always are. They're never going to satisfy anyone. But uh, is it, is it as simple? I mean, we can't sit here and say, you know, Jordan Henderson is the missing link. Obviously, he's a good player and he's our captain and, we we seem to play better when he plays and he adds a lot to the team and I've heard it said before that you notice him more when he's missing and all the rest of it. But he can't be the only one that can do that. There's got to be someone to step up. I mean, where was James Miller last night? He was he was our captain in in name only, I think. I didn't really see much from him. So where are you, Johnny, on 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 kind of the collective lack of quality and on the yeah the lack of anyone actually? No, I'm not going to use that term. Uh, but the lack of somebody actually just taking control of the game, shall we say, from a, a Liverpool perspective and trying to manage things? You know, it's, it's basic organisation. One thing about Henderson is he is an organiser. He is very vocal on the pitch. Chan, Wijnaldum, 
they're, they're not natural leaders on the pitch. I think fundamentally, too, what it boils down to is in the early part of the season, you know, from that sort of August to November, when we, when we were playing some really good stuff, you know, the level of our attack was phenomenal. You know, Mane, Coutinho, Firmino, they were all on form. Their touch was good. Firmino's had a real decline. He's still working, but his touch is gone. He's not. He's lost a lot of confidence. The the level of our attacks dropped, and really the, the level of our defense is just our defense is what it always is. It's shite, and our defense has been listening to things recently. That there was some of stuff today. It was the last four seasons, 131 goals, and only eight teams have conceded more. And that's scandalous, really, for a club that genuinely goes into each season with ambitions of doing something, you know, at the very least, making a fist of the Champions League. So I think when you've got that, we don't have a platform. We don't have a foundation. So when they... Attacking players go off the boil. You know, just the, the basics last night. I mean, you can blame Klopp for the tactics and he has to take the rap for, you know, wh- why were we playing a high line? Uh, Leicester are such a one-trick pony. It's the one-trick they have and we just fell for it like suckers. But you can't excuse either. The amount of times that Lucas was left on Vardy, exposed. The amount of times we let balls bounce. I mean, these are professional footballers that you know our defense the, the amount of times they let balls bounce they weren't aggressive going for second balls just a collective malaise that seems they've set in and i know we'll probably get on to it later but my overarching feeling is last season Klopp came in in october he wanted to look at these players they put in a big effort for him we reached two cup finals final in europe which is not to be snuffed at um, we came really, really close to getting into the Champions League, barring a bad 45 minutes against Seville. And I think Klopp looked at that and thought, I'm going to give this bunch a chance because they did do so well. And I think the early months of the season would have had Klopp thinking, yeah, I've done the right thing here, backing these guys. But all the faults, all the little niggles we've had about these players for years, your Lovrens, your Mignolets, your Lucases, even your Kleins, He's, you know, when he's coming forward, he's not that good. And O'Neill, you've said that on countless occasions. Everything that we've sort of been worried about, which we sort of dismissed for the first three months because we thought we're onto something here, has really come back. Even Lalana, you know, you look at Lalana now, he's probably been bad now for as many months as he's been good. You know, he's really gone off the board for, for a couple of months. I think the, the reality is that these players, a lot of them, can't handle it can't handle the pressure, they can't handle the expectation of a big club. It's going to have to be a, a major bit of surgery in the summer. That's, that's how I feel. Maybe that's overreact. I don't know what you guys think, but it just it feels like we're sort of hitting a, we're hitting a tipping point here now with, yeah. with, with this group of players, doesn't it? It just feels like something's got to give, almost. It's almost like, as a collective, they've kind of Put it all in in the in the first half of the season, and they've got nothing left. I mean, I I would tend to agree with with quite a lot of that, um, especially the need for um, for changes to be made in the summer. I mean, where where are you with that, Dave? I mean, I, I the defense gets mentioned there, and our defensive record has been has been shambolic over over um, seasons, as you've just said there, Johnny. And you know that was the word I used to describe the performance last night in the in the chat immediately afterwards, or 
shortly after the game. Just couldn't think of another word to describe the performance. But if you look at the back five last night, say, I mean, you look at that on paper, it's probably one of the worst back fives you're, you're ever likely to see. It's probably one of the worst back fives on paper that we've, we've put out in the last three years, four years, five years. I mean, you've got Milner at left back who, who is a makeshift left, left back. And while he, he did really well at the beginning of the season and he played well against Spurs, he's gone off the ball massively and it's almost like he's been found out a little bit. You've obviously got Lucas in there who's played a couple of games at centre back. You've got Matip coming back from injury who really looks a little bit lost at the moment because again, you're asking him to play with a centre back. He's, who's hardly played there and who he's hardly ever played with. And then on the right, you've, you've got, uh, you've got Klein. So he's been there the whole time pretty much. But I mean, that, and when you lay back in, in goal, that's a shocking defence. You, I mean, you don't want to be in that position. So, I mean, I think Johnny's under something here with uh, some of these players are just a little bit, you know, past any sell-by date that they had. I'd, it's difficult to say, you know, with, with, if you talk about if you talk about the defence, you know we've we've had a, a, a plethora of different centre back partnerships and full backs and and whoever else in there over the last three or four years, and and the same old problems keep appearing. It's 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 baffling, you know. I still hear people calling for Sacco, bring back Sacco, the all defensive master that Sacco is. Well, I've got fucking news for you kids. Sacco's not coming back. It's never going to happen. So just forget about it. Santa Claus isn't real. And no matter how much you want him to be real, he's not. So give up. And the other thing is, we've been as shit with him as we have been without him. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't disagree that he is individually, potentially a better defender than absolutely Lucas, who's getting slaughtered for his performance, but fuck, he's not a centre half. Dejan Lovren, everyone knows the issues with Dejan Lovren. They're not going to go away. You've got two Gomez there, who's the other one. So yeah, obviously, if Sacco was available and had behaved any way within the the guidelines that the club put forward, then he would be first choice. But that's not the root cause of the issue. Because we were conceding goals regularly when he was in the side, and we were pointing fingers in other directions, and we've got a different left back from last year, and we've got a different right-sided centre half from last year, and we had a different goalkeeper from last year, so that's not going to fix the issue. Yeah, we need a left back. There's no doubt about that. Milner's, I think he's touched the ball more than any other player in the league this season, bar two, um, one of which is Jordan Henderson. Um, and the minutes that he's he's played in the pitch, I can certainly understand why and and how his form is starting to dip. But at the end of the day, he's been asking to do something which is completely alien to him as well. He's done well. If you if you consider what he's been asked to do, he has done well. Klein, yeah, we know Klein's limitations going forwards, but defensively he is reasonably solid. But again, you know you can't you can't expect the right back to fix those problems. And the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper had a good game last night. We don't have David De Gea, but if he's, if David De Gea is being exposed the way Simon Mignolet is week after week, then the more you're exposed, the more mistakes you're going to make. And it's the same goes for Carrius. So we can't keep pointing fingers at, at one player or one position because there's something bigger, which is the root cause of this issue. Maybe it's the way we've played. 
under Rogers under Klopp, you know, the, 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 the styles aren't dissimilar when we're good and when we're, we're not so good and when we're truly fucking awful. Because that, that performance reminded me of the performance against, against Stoke two hours last game. That was the last time I can remember a performance that bad. There's, there's issues, there's issues everywhere there. Um, and you bring out Henderson who, you know, I, I don't think it's any secret that I rate him. But people who think that Emre Chan's going to come in and do a better job than Jordan Henderson in that number six role sitting in front of the back four, based on last night's evidence, they're sorely fucking mistaken. So he's not the answer either. So I don't know. Where do we go from here? One of you guys are going to have to tell me because I haven't got a goddamn notion. Well, that's the question. Like, where where does it leave us? Because you're absolutely right. And I would, I, much as I rate Jordan Henderson, I would be one who rates Emery Chan as well and, and thought that he could come in and, and do a decent job in there. But when he's sitting in front of a back, well, a back four, that he's not confident about a back, a centre-back pair and that, that he's constantly sort of thinking about and, and looking over his shoulder in that respect, then that, that's going to take away from from his game, which is going to take away from the game of the midfielder beside him or in front of him and so on and so forth. And it's, it's a knock-on effect. So where does it leave us then, Johnny? Where has it left us? You mentioned major surgery. Um, I think we've spoken on the show before, certainly Dave and I have, like a couple of weeks ago, but probably need six or seven to come in. Is that is 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 that what we're looking at here? Is is that basically where we are? Um, game is up for quite a few of these players, and and if so, Dave's mentioned as well. We've had different players playing this role and that role. We still have the same problem. Is it is it then a question of who you buy and and you know how it's all done? Do you, have you got faith that we're going to solve these problems and and so on? I think the important thing is if I could pick any manager, I wouldn't pick a different manager to the one that we have. And I think that's worth worth a lot. I think he's been overly loyal to some of these players. I, I think you've got to you've got to balance everything. I mean, on one hand, you've got to you've, you've got some of our fan base now that are are very sort of pissed off with Klopp, and they're pissed off because, and I, and I get some of it. We've had, after three transfer windows under his watch, we've got Milner playing left back, and we've got Lucas starting left centre back. And a lot of people find that something that's very, very hard to defend. And, and I get that. I don't want to rake over Sacco again because it's, oh, we've done it to death so many times. I said at the time, Klopp's decision, and ultimately we don't know what's going on there. Suffice to say, he's fucked him off. He's broken club rules, which is why he's not there. But I think our point all along was, but if you've decided that he's gone, like he's dead to me, he's not going to play here again. Replace him properly. Sell him, cut your losses, take a lower fee and replace him properly. It's hard to stomach when he's out playing, playing well for Crystal Palace and we're throwing, you know, Lucas Leva and it's, and it's center back. I, I trust this manager. I think that he's had, you know, he, he's really now starting to probably discover a lot about these players. He'll be learning a lot about these players now. Klopp is a winner, and he's used to working with a very high caliber of player. This is his first full season. I think we forget that. You know, everyone tends to look at last season. He didn't have a pre-season last season. He came in in October. He was learning on the job. He had loads of games. He's had, obviously, the summer. He's done a lot of work on the press and on the fit. But ultimately, there's there's players in this um, setup that 
don't deliver and they've got no balls either. You know, when this team gets a setback and a team flies in this in the first 10 minutes, you know, you look at the difference, Chelsea, players like 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 Matic and Kante and even Gary Cahill, he's not that good, but and David Luiz and Azpilicueta and Costa, and they're just, they're seasoned pros, they're, they're, they're fighters. They, they can stand up to it, and if they get a, go a goal down, they won't panic. They'll go about their job, and they'll get you know they'll they'll put the head down, and they'll they'll almost say to the opposition, "Fuck you, we're going to get a grip on this game, and we're going to get back into it." And we just lack that. We have too many players that they, they just don't seem to have the, you know, they just don't seem to have the stomach for it. And yeah, you said six or seven players, Neil. I think that's absolutely right. I think our entire back four. Last night, that that's that's played on that goalkeeper are all easily upgradable. I do want to give Matip a bible because I feel a wee bit sorry for for Matip because he's come and he's looked really really good early on. If he had a really good and it's a pity about Sackle, and this is the last I'm going to say on that. <laughs> but I think if you had Sackle, if you had Sackle playing left side and Matip on the right. God. I actually think they would have the, the they would have the potential. Dreams at the minute, really, for a Liverpool fan, would, isn't it? Uh, would be they have the potential to be solid, but but anyway, you know, we'll not go over that. We basically, I, I want Madup gets a buy ball from me because he needs he needs a, a proper centre back with him, not the collection of fucking clowns that we've got that step and as fits. Klein, it's been said, a lot of people give Klein a buy ball. You know, he's been solid. He's reason, as Dave says, he's reasonably competent. He is reasonably. He's, he's, he's very quick, Klein. So he's not always the best positionally, but his pace gets him out of it. But Klein's final ball in the final third, and Neil, you've said this before, and so has, has Neil Devlin, you know, his, his, his end product's pretty, pretty woeful. And then there's just a lot of things in that midfield where there's, there's better options out there. We, and we need options up front. We need other players with pace. We need Sturridge. I love Sturridge as a as a player. When he's fit and firing, he's one one of the best around. But also, we've got to accept at this point that he's just not as he's not going to fit into what Klopp wants, and he doesn't. His fitness record is just he's not a viable option for a team that want to compete at the sharp end. We need we we, we need someone that we can rely on. So yeah, there's there's <laughs> everywhere you look. I think to be really brief about it. Our strikers, our forwards are potentially, you know, there's top four championship quality in that set of strikers. Our midfield is probably decent. Maybe not quite top four, but you would say fifth, sixth, seventh. And our defense is just a bottom half defense. And I think that's where the massive upgrades need to go, um, starting with that defense. And if we don't upgrade it enough with the signs don't come in, We'll be in for more of the same next season. I'm with you on that. I mean, what do you reckon, David? We said um, we've just gone over it there briefly, but you'd probably say two in attack. Um, you know, goals and pace you need there. Uh, you probably say three in defence. I would say two centre backs and and a left back at least, or even a you know in a perfect world a. a Fullback who can play either side, but how many of them really exist? And then uh, you're probably looking at two in, in midfield as well to cover you, um, especially given the extra games and the, the possibility of injuries and, and players going out. So is that how you see it? And 
are you with Johnny that really, unless you properly reinforce the defence, you may as well not bother? I, I, I don't know. We, we, we can say the defence needs reinforced, but I, I look at Chelsea's back three. As Poliqueta, who's not a centre-back, David Luiz, who has been much maligned for the majority of his career in England, let's be honest, and then didn't do anything for his reputation at the World Cup either. Um, and Gary Cahill, who, Johnny, as you've rightly said, isn't that good. Yet, they continue to win games 1-0 and 2-1 and 1-0 and 1-0 and 2-1 and 3-1. And there, there needs to be something more than just replacing a player with another player. Football's more than just having better players. And I hate to go back to it, but Leicester showed that last year. Um, and, and they've shown it by comparison in this year's performance. Take, take last night aside. So there's, there has to be more to it than that. But yeah, we do, we do need, we do need reinforcements. We need them right through the spine of the team. And if you look back to, to, to where we were, you know, 10 years ago under, under Benitez, when you had Kyger, Hupia, Alonso, Mascherano, Gerard Torres, right through the middle. Um, and Brian Clough always said this. Brian Clough, and with a good goalkeeper too. Brian Clough always said, um, you, you, you do the spine of the team, you get yourself a, you get yourself a world class goalkeeper, a world class centre half, a world class centre forward. So, you know, if that's anything to go by, do we have a world class goalkeeper? No. Do we have a world class centre half? No, we've barely got a fucking centre half, never mind a world class one. Do we have a world class centre forward? No, we don't. We don't have anything close to it. I think there's a lot to be said for, and I, and I know the words you didn't want to say earlier on, maybe was leadership, but there's not there's not a great deal of that in there, and 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 last night was as much evidence as anybody needs to look to. So we need we need big personalities coming in um, in key areas of the pitch, and you can get by with with Nathaniel Kleins at right back, and you can get by with whatever you think about. Jordan Henderson or Jeannie Wijnaldum or Adam Milano or whatever you can get by with, with with two or three of those players three or four of those players in the team rather than going out and, and buying seven or eight players I think we need to go out and we need to buy four or five fucking like proper proper footballers do not pinch pennies do not think well if we can if we can if we can save five million in the left back area then we can put another five million to the, the centre forward area no just just go out and aim to, to go and buy four or five 30, 35 million pound players and just go out and do it in every area, every key area. That's what I think. And I think we've talked long and hard about what we think should happen. And and it's I think most Liverpool fans would pretty much say exactly the same thing. But I think the more interesting point is or what is going to happen and what is Klopp going to do and what is the board going to allow him to do mm. and this is going to be this is going to be a watershed moment for, for FSG and probably for the manager as well uh, but more so for the for the ownership as to what the summer transfer window looks like because if they don't invest heavily and in the right kind of players then that could be the end we'll, we'll wait we'll wait and see it's 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 more concerning to me what happens in the next 12 games and what happens in the summer to be honest because I think what happens in the next 12 games determines what happens in the summer and we need we need to have another watershed moment which is now 
and kick on like we did in the 13-14 season after that fucking horrendous performance at Hull um, when we were going to sell Sterling for fucking five million quid and all this type of carry on because fans are mental and take a long hard look at ourselves and turn things around because if we don't get into the top four we immediately drop down an entire shelf of players that will consider coming to us. Yeah, no, I mean, that's entirely true. And we're sitting here now talking about the possibility of not getting into the top four, which is a very real possibility compared to uh, how we were talking November, even middle of December. You know, It's fucking absurd, Neil. It's absurd, it really is. We've just gone off a cliff with nosedive. I mean, what you say is absolutely right. The next 12 games are are massively important and they'll they'll set the tone for then anything that comes afterwards. Uh, and it's it, it seems like it has been a wake up calls the wrong word because I'm pretty sure Klopp was was awake. It's been a the, the alarm bells have rung, shall we say? Um, what was he said after the match? Uh, this is the situation is serious now or it's becoming serious. We're all fighting for our jobs, myself included, uh, after this performance. So, I mean, he's, those words, they don't, uh, they're not minced, shall we say. And he goes on to say this, this level of inconsistency is, is completely unacceptable. So, I mean, he then goes on to mention that he's kind of, uh, confused, dumbfounded, bewildered by the, the lack of con- consistency. As I said earlier, I was one who thought that we would come back bouncing and go at Leicester and really have a, have a good crack at the second half of the season. Can you see, Johnny, can you see us? We've got Arsenal coming up. They don't have a great record at Anfield and we've been excellent against the so-called big teams or so-called rivals or whatever. You know, you know the kind of teams I'm talking about, the, the other top six teams. I would fancy us to win on Saturday. A, how do you, what are your thoughts on that? And B, do you think then that that, that can actually signal a revival. We then, I think, we face Burnley again um, next. Another home game, so that that's two in a row. And I think when we're playing Burnley, some of our rivals will be playing in the FA Cup, so that gives us a chance to make up points on them, uh, theoretically at least. So can you see? Can you see this being a watershed moment, as Dave mentions there? Can you see this being one where you know this is is this rock bottom, or or do you see this season just kind of? Fizzling out, you know, inconsistent, winning here, losing there, that kind of thing. Well, it's stating the absolute obvious to say, of course, it can go either way. We're absolutely capable, given of what we we showed in the first few months of going and finishing the season quite strongly. Obviously, we've got Arsenal at home, but bar the game at City, you know, most of the fixtures, you know, we've got the Derby with Everton, we've got them at home. Most of the fixtures are doable, so of course... We can, but I think I want to go back to something Dave said around the players. We know this group of players can show up in the big games. We know this group of players can string a few good results together for a few for spells. But I actually disagree that it should change what happens in the summer. Yes, it might change it if we're in the Champions League. There's a different shelf of player. Get that, what Dave's saying, but... I think one of the things I would say is that no matter what happens over these next 12 games, we need to go out and do exactly what Dave said. Is we, we need to bring in five, four or five players that go straight into that, that first team. And that's fucking regardless. 
they, if this if, they, if this shower get their heads back in it and now finish the next the remaining twelve games or whatever, and they win eight or nine of them, and they get a few draws and and it looks all right, and we and we manage to get into the top four, I don't think it should change anything around that. Um, we've got the right man. He's shown he can do it before. He's shown he's he's a really really good coach. But we have to give him the, the the tools now. I think Dave's right in what he's saying about it's. I think for FSG this is actually becoming defining now because obviously there's there's been managers there that we've always had doubts about. I know Rogers has been treated now like he's a fucking messiah. So <laughs> Celtic you'd think he was the greatest ever, and he's better than Klopp, which is just absolute complete maniac talk nonsense. But they've got we've now got a manager that most of the fans would agree he's the right man for the job. Are they going to back him? Are they going to give him the tools? But there's a part of this on Klopp as well, because Klopp's had three transfer windows. There's a lot of us on this call that would have said we wouldn't have. There's a lot of these players that we still wouldn't have at the club now. Klopp's been been at the club, what, 16 months or so? 16, 17 months? There's a lot of these players that by now I would have thought with Klopp and the caliber of player he's used to, he would have had them bombed out the door by now. Maybe that's just a sentimental side, and then he wants he wants to give them a chance. I I have no I have absolutely no fucking clue, Neil. <laughs> if we're going to finish the season, no clue. I would not be surprised at all if we put in a big performance against Arsenal, purely for the reason that Arsenal will come downfield and they will be like us. They will be soft, and they. They will want to play football. They will go. They'll try to play football. They'll play an open game. They'll be expansive. They'll lose the ball in silly areas against us, and we'll get a bit of joy against them. Wouldn't surprise me at all if we beat them. But on the but but on the other hand, you know, will we then string that together consecutively to make the top four? I I'm really starting to doubt it. I I, I just think Spurs. You know, no distractions now. Arsenal are soon gonna have no distractions when Bayern put them out. And, and I just think our confidence and the way we defend them now—it's—it's it's a tall order. Um, I think now, if I had to, if I had to bet on it, I'd say, and I was supremely confident for most of the season. But but I I'm worried now. I genuinely think that we're outsiders in terms of getting in there, which is depressing considering that on New Year's Day we looked like we were the main challengers to Chelsea. So it's been a dramatic fall from grace to say the least. Yeah, I mean that's. You're absolutely right, and we are we are outsiders according to the bookies to make the top six from that from that list of teams that's fighting for it. And I heard it said uh, or mused that that perhaps the the, the uh, realization around December time that the Chelsea were, were were running away with the title and that uh, Liverpool, despite a great opening, what 13, 14, 15 games of the season. Uh, despite setting a, you know, hit, hitting an average of over two points a game and all the rest of it, we're not going to win the title. And that, I've heard it suggested that that realization kind of, uh, is what, is almost what's responsible for the, this, this drop off. I think it was famously spoken about after the 08 09 season. I think Gerard mentions it that, um, they lost the three of the first four games or something like that, and they they knew already they had no chance of winning the title, and and the season kind of descended from there. Do you think there could be anything to that, uh, Dave, this year, or, or do you think, as we've sort of touched on, we've touched on a lot of points, we've basically touched on the fact that these players maybe don't have it in them, or that tactics haven't been right, or 
injuries have done us and we haven't bought enough players in. But do you think there's also that, that psychological thing of them going, oh, fuck, well, we're not going to win this. So, you know, in a way that, that, that kind of, I don't know, demotivated them slightly. Do you think there could be something in that? Well, if that is the case, then that fact isn't responsible. The players are responsible. So, you know, that just harps back to what we've been talking about, which is conviction, desire, motivation. And, you know, this, this again, this fucking plague on, on football that is short-term, isn't it? If, if they think it's all about one season, then, you know, why are they there? Yeah. Why are they there? It's not a fucking game show. You know, they're not on and then, oh, well, we didn't win, so fucking let's go home and tell everybody about the wonderful time that we had. There's lots of players in that side are, are 22, 23, 24, 25. Klein, Matip, 25. The Batan. Um, I know Alana's getting on, but, you know, he's one of the ones that seems as though we fucking Even actually Firmino, gives a shit at the minute. Only, only 25. Firmino, I think 25, 26. Coutinho, Mane, Wijnaldum, Henderson. You know, it's. We, I think we've I think only Spurs have put out a younger average side than us in this season or this calendar. I think it's this season, I think. So, you know, these players should be looking at at progressing and building. And the manager's been given a long contract and they should have confidence that, you know, he's not going to be, he's not going away anytime soon. So, you know, we need to put it in or or it's going to be us out the door, not him. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. I know it can be maybe demotivational for a few weeks, but then surely they have to fucking gather themselves and say, you know what? There's still two cups on the table here. There's still a Champions League spot on the table here. Yeah, we might be ruled out of one um, competition, but there's still three here available to play for. And when I say that, I'm talking about the two cups that we fucking limped out of, you know? So I don't buy that. I don't buy it. And if if that is the case, then there are serious questions need to be asked about professionalism. We talked earlier about how how Leicester just had a bit more nastiness and needle than we did, and and maybe that's because a lot of these guys have come up through the lower leagues and they haven't been fucking fed silver spoons their entire career, and they haven't been told, oh, well, you can't stand in front of the ball. It's all about playing football, and you know, it's all about sportsmanship. And I don't know, and I don't know if this is going to creep into their game all over the place. Because you can see the difference. The likes of your Robert Hoose and your Wes Morgans and your Joey Bartons and your Zlatans and players like this. And, and even the guys that come from South American football, you know, the likes of, the likes of Diego Costa. You know, these players have that, that nastiness and this, and that needle. Um, and we just, we just don't seem to respond to it in any other way than as shrinking violets. So it could be an entire mentality thing that goes beyond the bounds of football if you want to really get into it, but I actually don't. I just want guys to be a fucking group of lads in a change room and have a fucking look at one another and tell a few home truths and get their shit back together because they know they're good, they've proven they're good. Um, and I think that's what's more frustrating than anything else. Um, we know what they're capable of and they should know what they're capable of. So do the right things in the pitch and maybe things will start to happen again. Yeah. Yeah, in a way that's another one of the most baffling things about it is that um they seem to have we seem to have gotten over the, the hurdle, over the hump, uh, in the early part of the season. You know, we had that Burnley result. It started off well against Arsenal. That was a bit of a rip roaring game. Then we had the Burnley result and everyone goes, Oh fuck, here we go again. And then we don't lose for 
God knows how long, 13 games or something, we go unbeaten, maybe maybe longer in all competitions. And we start hammering teams that sit back. You start having players coming off in every interview they're given when they come off after a game against us is, is how hard the game was, how it was one of the hardest games of their lives. You've got managers in the in the press briefings, you know, kind of worried about what, what Liverpool are going to do to their team at the weekend. And that's all gone. I mean, that's that's all gone. We had the the flat track bully mentality. If you, look, you want to look at Hull at home, you want to look at Watford at home, you know, that kind of mentality. Okay, we're, we're 3-0 up. So you want to score one? Okay, well, we'll go up the other end and make it 4-1 30 seconds later. That kind of mentality, that kind of belief, that kind of confidence in their own ability and it, in what the collective was doing, the results it was achieving. But it has disappeared it's disappeared as quickly as it was fostered uh, almost um so yeah you're right it's uh, it's very frustrating to to see that i would agree with you, uh johnny as well about the about the summer coming back to that point about the summer i'd agree that um there do need to be changes made regardless of, of how we finish up this season and i think you're right in also saying that um those both of you those those top quality players that come in Need to need to have a winning mentality. They need to have that edge, you know, that that fighter's edge, that that determination that just says, "Nah, fuck off." Essentially, for want of a better phrase, "Nah, fuck you," you know, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, that that is something that we really we're really lacking at the moment. Um, somehow, some way. Neil, can I just say something about the? I think about the owners as well. There's a lot of stuff. On Twitter, surprise, surprise, about the owners, and <laughs> um, and it's not so much divided opinion now. There seems to be there, there's a majority, but I think with FSG, the club was in an awful state. They've come in, they've kept their word on the stadium, you know, with, they've brought up the capacity in the stadium. They've now got a structure in place, you know, with the with the technical director. Obviously, they've appointed not with the best timing in the world. <laughs> The new uh, CEO on, uh, on on Monday night, but I think so. You know, there's a lot of people go over the top when they criticise them and they point to the trophy record. And ultimately, I think we we've just had some bad managers and we've had some bad players. Does John W. Henry really tell managers sign shy players? I don't think he does. But I think all things considered, this is the biggest summer because. I think we've always looked at the club and we've always went, you know, especially when you have people like Hodgson and Rogers, you know, I'd always felt like Rogers was a punt. The guy had never won anything. He was, he was essentially a, a youth coach. He, he had these grand ideas, you he know, Hodgson. sounded like he was blagging a bit as well, didn't he? I know, and he still does. He still does, but he's, obviously at Celtic, he's, everything he's touching there, they're, they're winning loads of matches against ship teams and, he said that they love him. They absolutely lap up because he knows how to play the fans. He knows how to talk about history and all that. And he's, he's good at that and they're lapping it up. But I think we've always thought we, 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 when we had Hodgson, even when Kenny came back and we know how much we love Kenny, but you know, it was past Kenny's sort of glory days. Um, although he did, he fucking won us our last trophy. He did, all right. <laughs> Kenny, we always loved Kenny. But I think this is the first time, we, we, you know, we'd looked at those managers and what we can get better, we can get better, and surely 
this is now a point where we've got literally, they have pulled one out of the bag and getting clapped. That was a massive, massive, big deal. We were all so excited about it. And this is now, this is a real, I know Dave used the word watershed, but I, but I think this is, I think the next 10 years of our club and, and possibly beyond that are going to be defined by what happens this summer because we've, we've got the manager that we're all probably agreed on. We wouldn't want anyone else there in terms of we get the right players and he's the man to motivate. He's the man to get more out of them. He, he's a winner. If we don't back this guy, if we don't get those four or five players with that mentality that can come into that team and deliver, if we can't get that spine of that team right to supplement the, the, the great attacking players and some of the great potential that we do have, I think we're going to be in the wilderness because where do you go after Klopp? If we don't back him, where do we go? And I think there's, you know, we have been in the wilderness. We've probably been sleepwalking in the wilderness, given that it's in a couple of years, it's going to be 30 years since we've won the league. So we, we've won some cups. We've had good times in Europe in that spell. But I think this is really, really now at a, at a tipping point. And if they don't back, if we don't get them in, United are going to span, span. City are going to get stronger. Spurs are getting their act together. Arsenal are now in a transitional phase, but you know Wenger's probably going to be leaving soon. They'll not be replacing him with an average manager. And I think if we miss the boat and we don't take this opportunity now when we have a coach of this good to get us built up again, we are really going to be in for some very, very lean times. And my fear would be that that kind of performance last night could become something of the norm. So I know that's a bit of a depressive note <laughs> to end up on. I hope it doesn't drive people over the edge, but I genuinely do believe that. I think this is the biggest summer that I can remember, and that they've all felt like big summers, but if we don't do it with this guy, then frankly, I don't see how we ever do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would agree with you pretty much wholeheartedly there, to be honest. Like it's, uh, We have been in the wilderness. We've been in denial. But we've been in a wilderness. It, it is nearly 30 years since since winning a league. Leicester have won league titles in that time, or a league title in that time. Blackburn Rovers have won a league title in that time. Manchester United have won about 15 fucking league titles in that time. And, you know, our last real great glory was Istanbul. That's getting on for, what, that'll be 12 years ago this season. Since then, we've had an FA Cup and a League Cup and not won anything since 2000. 12, I believe, maybe 13, no, 2012, I think it was, 11, 12. So yeah, we are in the wilderness, and I think you're right, it, it's crunch time, it's, it's shit or get off the pot. Um, and I agree with you as well that the, you know, the owners are coming in for a lot of flack, and I can see where people come from. Uh, when they talk about that, I've got mates that, you know, would point to the lack of spending or perceived lack of spending and, and the, the supposed profit made in the summer and all the rest of it um, but I would agree that they've you know they didn't take over a club that was sitting pretty they took over a club that was in crisis that was pretty much in administration that had been asset stripped and that it wasn't going anywhere fast it was only going one way so they've, they've done a lot they've kept the promise on the stadium as you say they're also building new training facilities at Kirby so they've put the structure in so they've put things in place there for the long term so to me, it says that they probably will invest. You know, they, they threw a lot of money at Kenny and Camoli. Uh, that wasn't properly spent. 
Um, they invested they invested heavily with Rogers as well. And when Klopp wanted his players, they you know paid some big fees last season. The fact that we made a profit was was obviously uh, a bonus. But then we had so much dead wood to shift. But I think you're absolutely right. This is this is crunch time. But I'm hopeful that they will back the manager because, as you say, Johnny, where where do we go next? And I think that was something we all thought at the time when Klopp was appointed. We thought this is fucking brilliant. But this is the last. This is FSG's last throw of the dice, really. Forgotten about that in the interim period. What with the excitement and with us playing well and so on. But when things start to go a little wrong, a little awry, that that thought does come back. You know, where do you go next, Dave? What about you? Uh, anything else to add on that? And how do you see? We'll, we'll wrap up just with we Arsenal predictions. So or uh, or even the rest of the season and and Arsenal as well. So how do you see it? See it going? I asked Johnny earlier. Will Liverpool turn things around and, and really put in a challenge? I think, Neil, just before that, and Johnny's touched on the owners there, but we've, we've talked about, um, the amount of money it was spent and they need to go out and spend some money. Well, these same people are, are, are shouting that we spent 20 million on Dejan Lovren, 20 million pounds, shite, and 20 million on him. Same about Alana, fucking two or three years ago, 20 million pounds on him, shite, 20 or 25 million pounds. Then you've Andy Carroll, same thing. So, you know, when the owners spend money and the players aren't good enough, that's a separate issue than the owners not spending money. Yeah, agreed. So, you know, it, it needs to be taken into consideration. And then people are, after I say that, people are going to throw the argument of net spend at me. Mm-hmm. And that's grand. Talk about net spend all you want. But again, we've just built a new stand. We're moving training facilities, which should free up actually additional cash when we sell off the, the land at Melwood which is grand, but again, it's a long-term approach. And I know we're getting to the point now where, you know, how long is long-term, but um, you can see the revenues increasing and things like that. And I just have to continue to have a little bit of faith that things are now starting to fall into place, both off the pitch as well as with, with the manager on the pitch. And I know we're in the position we are now over the last couple of months. But, you know, prior to that, we've seen really good progress mm-hmm. um, from where we were. So, you know, I have to continue to have faith. And, you know, shouting and fucking screaming about anything isn't going to make any difference. If you take a logical viewpoint on it, we are going in the right direction long term. And, guys, you're totally right. Where we came from was was at the bottom of a deep, dark hole. Don't forget the cliff we fell. We're talking about falling off a cliff now. The cliff we fell off from from 2008, 2009 to, to 2011. We were, we were nearly winning the league and two and, and serial European Cup challengers to this club's going into administration. And Roy Hodgson's the manager. You know, don't fucking forget that. The rest of the season, they, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. We go out and we can beat Arsenal and everybody will be thinking, well, this is great, but we've fucking seen it all before. In fact, we've seen it two weeks ago. We've seen it two weeks ago when, when, when we'd absolutely trounced Spurs, play them off the park, and then we, we go out and do what we did and play like we played, played last night. Uh, and we've got similar type of games coming up. We've got, we've got Arsenal and we've got Burnley. If we can beat Arsenal and we can, we can beat Burnley convincingly, then maybe that will give a little bit of confidence back to the players that they can 
they can address these issues with bottom half teams um, because I think at this point in time, that's what we need. And I'm going to be honest with you, if you gave me the choice if we had to win one of either of those games, I'd probably say lose to Arsenal, beat Burnley handsomely, and maybe we can kick on from there. So, and the only other thing is, is I, I, I think um, Henderson's out for the Arsenal game. Yeah, so I can, anyway, yeah. Yeah, so I can only hope that he is fit because of my personal opinion on Jordan Henderson, and also because we statistically win twice as many games with him as we do without him. So, I don't know, people who like stats, go figure. People who don't will tell me to shut up. Sound. Form predicts that we'll, we'll win well at Arsenal, <laughs> and then form predicts that we'll struggle to a draw slash defeat slash fortunately a win at Burnley, or home to Burnley, so... Yeah, that's that's just that's just wait and see. Okay, well I'm taking that as six out of six then, two wins in. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> what about you, Johnny, then? Anything else to add beforehand and then how do you see how do you see Arsenal going or the next couple going? Yeah, uh, I think we'll draw away Arsenal to be honest. I think it'll be one each. I, I just think that'll be I just think we're lacking that bit of fizz. I'll have taken a lot out. Might sting the players into some kind of. I uh, just have a feeling about a draw. From then on, it's just about trying to get some sort of consistency against these lesser sides who've been the bane of our life for forever. It feels like, and we'll see where we go from there, Neil. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for a draw, and I'm, I'm gonna go with a mad outlandish prediction that we scrape past Burnley at home. <laughs> That's the real fucking. That's the, real, yeah. <laughs> the worst side in the league away from home, and. Yeah. and None of us are fucking confident we'll, we'll, be, we'll beat them. Just shows you how things have gone. Feels <laughs> like you're sticking your neck out saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, nice one. Um, I'm going to be suitably optimistic and say that we'll, we'll win them both as well. Um, if we don't, if, if that, if it doesn't. As well as who? Well, you mentioned it there. I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm sure you said would, would sneak a, a late win against Burnley. That's what I heard anyway. This boat's getting smaller. Yeah, no, I, I just, I just feel that if, if it doesn't start now, it's not going to start. Um, and if that performance wasn't rock bottom at Leicester, then Jesus Christ, the rest of the season is not going to be fun at all. So yeah, uh, I think we will bounce back against Arsenal, and I'm hoping I hope that Burnley's horrendous away record is bad enough even to allow us to win. To be fair, we've only lost one game in the league at home all season, so you know it, it's not too much of a stretch to suggest we we could beat Burnley in a couple of weeks. But of course, it's Arsenal first, and yeah, on that note, I'd say that we will win. Uh, we'll win three one, uh, and let's let's hope that we do. Okay, so wrapping it up there um, for this edition Upcast, uh, the podcast brought to you by Cobleth. My guests have been amazing. Uh, I'd like to say thanks very much to you, Dave and Johnny. Thanks a lot for coming on. I would also like to thank the listener uh, for taking the time. Hopefully you haven't been too depressed by us, but let's be honest, if you're a Reds fan, you're probably pretty down anyway, so... I don't know. Hopefully, you find some <laughs> some solace in 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 our shite. So yeah, well, at least Neil, at least Neil can have the solace of thinking they're not as fucking miserable as we are. 
and that's something. Absolutely, you're you're the my my optimistic boat might be shrinking, but um, the, the the miserable boat is is getting bigger and bigger by the day. So you're not alone. You're not alone, folks. Uh, okay, so guys, anything to plug? Um, Johnny, you writing anything at the moment, or up to anything, or can you put out your Twitter handle or whatever? Yeah, well, the Twitter handle is at Tubin Lab, T O O B A N Lab. So uh, anybody that wants to give me a wee follow, I'm always up for a wee chat about chat about the football. No, I'm not writing anything, and frankly, I'm too depressed <laughs> football wise to write anything anyway. Um, I think if I tried to write something about that shambles um i would just end up going down the dave dunham route of drinking three bottles of wine during the week and that's not a good look <laughs> <laughs> okay okay well on that note i'll just give a wee plug for um the match review from last night i don't know why you'd want to read it but um umara does a great job with them so if you're a glutton for punishment uh, head over to cop left and have a look at that and Dave, what about you plugging anything interesting this week? And where can people find you on, on the old twit? I'm plugging two bottles of wine on a Tuesday night. <laughs> thanks thanks to Johnny Anderson. So cheers. <laughs> as long uh, as it's a vintage Dave, as long as it's a vintage red, you're alright. It's uh let me see. Is it it's a two thousand and thirteen Rioja. Top stuff. Do you know yeah. what, Neil? There was one thing actually struck me today, I would like to mention it. There's a book out about Ronnie Moran. Um, I just noticed it today, Mr. Mr. Liverpool. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's been launched, and I would say he is genuinely one of the great stalwarts for Liverpool Football Club. So I would advise people, I would say, be well worth a, well worth a read. But he's an unsung hero. He was part of that boot room. Absolutely. Um, a, a great man. So pivotal, pivotal we, we, figure. We, we, we can... <laughs> We can cheer ourselves up by reading that and remember when we were actually fucking good at football and used to win things and batter everybody. But yeah, reading about the good old days. Right? <laughs> exactly. It was only it was only ten years ago, guys. It was only ten years ago when the glory days flashed before our eyes and nobody fucking realised it. Yeah, well, that's it. There you go. Where's past? So, um, yeah, did, did you want to put your Twitter handle out, Dave, or anything else you're plugging, or was it just the wine? Nah, just the, just the wine, mate. That's all for tonight. Hopefully you'll find me a better tune next week. Nice one, nice one. Well, it's, it's driven David Dunning to, to drink on a Tuesday night. It's driven us all to the depths of despair. Liverpool have done it to us again, just when you thought it was safe to be optimistic for the rest of the season. Nah. Nah, wrong. Death to your hopes and dreams. Anyway, guys, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we've been Copcast, and we'll be back with you again next week.